as we look at this passage this morning, uh, we, we first start out, we see our confidence in the Lord. Uh, and I think this, it's interesting, the Psalms many times do this. They have kind of a big summary at the beginning and then a conclusion at the end. And the summary at the beginning is helpful for us because it tells us uh, kind of where we're going. Um, I think some of the Psalms especially are so intimate that they share a despair of the heart of man. And it's easy for us to despair. Uh, I know that for us, many things throw us off the rails. Many things cause us to be anxious. Many things, both uh, fictitious that we made up in our mind, hypothetical things, and also things that are real that are right in front of us. The psalmist writes this, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Uh, Then he goes on to say, the Lord is my stronghold of my life. Light uh, was a representation of life and of understanding of the idea of of living. Uh, It's not darkness is this idea, this mystery, and even a, a gloom of it all. And he says of the Lord that he is the light for him. He is the light. His salvation, uh, really at this point as uh, David, uh, this is probably, a, I should have said this earlier, but um, this is a Psalm of David, probably David as Saul was chasing him and persecuting him as he was the anointed. Uh, this particular Psalm was a Psalm that uh, the Jews continue to go back to in the days of uh feasts and festivals that they would be about remembering uh, who God is. And this is one of the Psalms that they would recite. But you look at this and you realize that he says, who's going to save me? Who's going to help me? The Lord's going to help me. I I think about in our world today, uh, we often ask, who is going to help me through the mess of my life? Who's going to help me? Is it going to be my mom and dad even as I talk to the kids? Is it going to be, um, you know, some kind of business? I need to go to my bank to fix uh, what's going on. Is it my boss? Is it uh, the place where I'm employed? Is it uh, the government? Is the government going to save me? I I want to tell you, no, the government is not going to save you. Uh, you know, they can help out with a little check here and there. Um, they can make decisions that are better or worse. Um, and so we do hope that they would make, but, but salvation does not come. The, the real, uh, controlling help that we need is from the Lord. And then he uses that second, uh, in that second line, he said, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. It's the place of safety. Um, Psalms has this great picture over and over again that the safe place or the refuge or the place where I am protected is the Lord, is the Lord. It's not a place. It's not a destination. It's not a, 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 a house, if you will, but he is the one. Uh, the Lord is uh, the one that I need. Um, he, he says at, at the outset, uh, really, and he asks the question twice, he says, uh, should I be afraid? Who, who, who is it that I should be afraid of? If, if the Lord is this for me, who should I be afraid of? He's thinking most likely of particular people, Saul and his men. 
And maybe there are others. Maybe uh, you think about in your life the people that you are afraid of. And maybe you're not afraid of them in the sense of them beating you up or taking you into captivity, snatching you, if you will. Uh, but what are you thinking about? What, you, you fear their approval. You, you fear maybe their displeasure. You're afraid of what they're going to say. You're afraid of what they're going to do. You're afraid of how they're acting. The psalmist says, uh, really, because the Lord is, the, are, is these things, the light, salvation, stronghold, there's a question, who should I fear? Who should I fear? Because of the greatness of our God, should I really be afraid? He, he lists out, going on from there, he says, when evildoers assail me and eat up my flesh, the picture there, this eating up of my flesh is that, that of a, a wild animal that would tear bits and pieces of the flesh of another animal. And, and this is the picture that he feels. It probably isn't happening physically, but he feels like their attacks, that's what's happening to him. Uh, he goes on to say in verse three, he says, though an army encamp against me and then uh, going on, the war arise against me. The picture is this, it's, it's individuals. And that as he looks out, he sees a bunch of people set up to uh, attack. The, there, there's people in, camping around him, and circling him, ready for the attack. And then he says, even like the war arising, it actually happens. And then he says this, I will be confident. I be, will be confident. That, uh, confidence is an interesting word. We, we like it. We, we love it when we're confident. But the confidence here, uh, maybe it's the wrong word uh, for this, but the picture is this. It's that we trust so much in the Lord that we are not uh, fearful or shaky about the future because of him, simply because of him. It's not that as we look at it, and I think this is important for us to get, most of the time when we think of confidence, we think, we look at a situation and you say, I can do, I can do. Hey, are you confident taking that test? Oh yeah, I studied. I got it. I got it. Hey, are you confident uh, you have a project? Yeah, I've done it a million times before. I got it. Uh, are you confident? Yeah, that looks easy. I, I, I think I can handle that. That's usually how we think of confidence. In this passage, I want to tell you that's not the confidence we're talking about. The confidence we're talking about is because God is with me, because of who he is, I can trust him, and in so trusting him, I'll be confident. Um, yeah, I looked at my bank account. I think I got it. Watch the news today. Everything looks like it's uh, going to be okay. Uh, President Trump, Governor Gavin, uh, he said this or uh, announced this new program or this new timeline or this new report. So I think we're going to be okay. That's not the confidence we're talking about. What we're talking about is confidence in our Lord that we know because we're trusting in him, everything's going to be all right. I see these signs that say everything's going to be all right. <laughs> Says who? 
Says who? And why? And why? If you're saying because God's on his throne and you have a relationship with him, everything is going to be all right. If God's not on his throne, and he is, but if you don't have a relationship with him, it could be a disaster. It's disastrous. Uh, which brings us to verse four. I realize I'm skimming over some stuff, but it's, uh, there's a lot here and I want to hit the highlights. Four through six gives us the remedy for fear. Um, and I think that uh, this is critical for us in this day. Uh, as you have anxious thoughts, uh, I heard of an article this week that uh, anxiety medication prescriptions have gone through the roof uh, during this last month. Wonder why? Wonder why? No, I don't wonder why. Uh, I realize that uh, when you're anxious, sometimes there's you're just looking for an answer, and and it's hard to find. Um, and so we do have a remedy for fear, and I I think this is critical for us to hear. And I hope that even as I I say that there's a remedy for fear, you go, oh, I want to know it. I want to know the remedy for fear. Uh, here it is. Um, Verses four through six. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. You look at that, and uh, as God's people in the Old Testament, the temple, the tabernacle, both, um, they represented the worship of a holy God, their holy God. And as they looked at the temple or the tabernacle, they, they had this picture of worship that I need to go and I need to worship. I, I need to go and be with God. And, and in this passage, verse four, it says, one thing I have asked, one thing I've asked. The, the idea of one thing, um, it's what is on your list of things to do? Is there a recipe? I, I think, a, it's interesting, recipes ha usually have a bunch of ingredients. You kind of get all the ingredients out, and you say a little of this and a little of that, and you put it all together. And if it turns out well, you say, uh, oh, uh, this is, you say, oh, this was amazing. What made it so good? It was a great recipe. It was a great recipe. This is not a great recipe. It's a one thing. It's one thing. I think a lot of us are, are looking, we say, you know, what's going to get me through my day? Well, um, it's going to be this, and then I'm going to eat well, and then I'm going to exercise, and then I'm going to uh, get through my list of things to do. And if I get all these things, then life will be good for me. Then I'll be able to succeed in the midst of uh, fearful things. That's not the point of this psalm. The psalm is... Uh, in the midst of fearful things. And those uh, enemies and armies and wars, those were real. And some of the things that you are fearing aren't real, but some of them are. They're real people who have real, uh, um, kids would say, beef with one another, with you. And uh, how you might be fearful of that. And so as we look at this, the remedy for fear is this, it's the worship of God. It's the worship of God. And I would even say it this way. It's the worship of God privately, but also together, together. Um, I, I've shared this with you before, and I'm, I'm in a, a lane in my own mind as a pastor of the church. 
is that um, I want you to come to church on Sunday morning to worship with God's people. Um, I, I don't do that because uh, I hope it's not because of my ego. Uh, we might have more services uh, as we open the doors again so we can be farther apart from each other, but in the same room. Uh, we might do different things. I, I, I don't know, like I don't have a clear vision of what's, what's it going to be like as we come back together, but I know this. It's good for us. It's good for us. Helps us with fear. It's when we come together and crank our heads away from the things that cause us to be anxious onto a powerful, holy, stronghold, light, salvation God and worship him. There's a sense of that it takes the anxious thoughts and it minimizes them and causes them to be um, small and unimportant and insignificant next to our amazing holy God. There's really two parts of this worshiping that he describes in verse four. He says, uh, first to seek him, to ask the Lord that he may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his of his life, but also to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. And there, there's a sense of worshiping God for who he is, but then knowing his beauty and his, uh, who he is intimately. Uh, it's, it's worshiping him, but worshiping him in a way that you know him better. One of the things that's important to remember about the scripture is that every page Every page is meant to reveal God. Uh, when you think of uh, there are passages that speak in, in this passage, the Father, uh, that we look at our Lord, our God and Father, but also revealing who his Son, Jesus is, God, God the Son, okay? And the Holy Spirit as well, that God the Holy Spirit, that we would know more about them in unity that we might have what we need to walk in this life. The remedy for fear is worshiping and knowing God. If you're going through a hard time, uh, you need to uh, listen more to the word of God. You need to uh, pray more. You need to sing more. You need to be more with God's people. There's this funny little kid song that we used to sing. Um, I want more of Jesus, more and more and more, and you kind of made like a, a mower. I, it was probably super confusing for kids, but uh, um, and but but the gist of the song was, I need more of Jesus. I need more of Him because my life is I it need I need more because my problems because my needs are more. I need more of Him, and that's the point of this passage in verse four uh, that we need that the answer, the remedy for our fear is to know him, to worship him. He goes on to say in verse five, uh, for he will hide me in the shelter. Um, in the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. What a picture, right? Out of uh, where people can't get to me. Uh, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer up tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Um, 
he reflects because he knows in his worship God, he realizes that his protection is for him as well. And then a joyful uh, response of thanksgiving. Um, I want to encourage you uh, that that you don't want to be smart and strategic. Uh, You want to be blessed of God. I think about this all the time that so often, you know, uh, we're in a quarantine right now. And at the end of the quarantine, some will say, well, I was super successful. And uh, you say, well, how or why were you super successful? And you say, well, I, I decided to do this. I thought about this. I was thinking forward. I was developing new skills. You know, I learned Aramaic during the uh, six weeks, eight weeks. I, I figured it all out. I got something online. I, I, I did things greater because I was smarter. I was smarter. I want to tell you that uh, the answer is not in you being smarter. It's you trusting in the Lord who loves you so much and doing what he wants you to do. And in the end, our joyful response is that God was faithful to me, that God gave me opportunities and things that I wouldn't have done on my own. I couldn't do on my own. I just walked with him, and in the end, there was success. And so he gets the credit. Uh, Be careful of you doing things strategically and because of your own smarts and abilities uh, really, those go back to the Lord as well, right? E- even if you're smart um, and you, you have great strategy, uh, we don't have that apart from what God's doing. But, but remember, in the end, in verse 6, he says, I will offer up tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Why? Because he is the one. He is the one that has saved me in this real uh, and fearful time. Which brings out uh, 7 through 13, crying for help. And what an important thing that we need to grow in, uh, not just in this time, but in all times, that we would uh, really see the issues of our life as things to be prayed for, and not just prayed for in a sense of going down a list, but crying out to the Lord for help. Verse 7 says this, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Uh, You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Um, Great time where he's going back. He's uh, realizing the Lord is gracious. He knows he is. So that's why he's calling on him to be gracious. And also he's responding in obedience to the Lord saying, seek my face. He says, I will seek your face. Um, he wants to hear from us. It's interesting in here as he goes on, he's, uh, he's asking the Lord uh, in verse 9 there, it says this, Hide not uh, your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O Lord, you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. That's an honest prayer. That's an honest prayer. And you say, well, why would he be concerned that God would cast him off? Why would he be concerned that God wouldn't listen to his uh, prayers and even forsake him? Why? Well, it's the same reason you would wonder. God knows everything about you. He knows everything about every thought that you've had, every selfish thing that you've done, every prideful thought that you've had against him and others. 
And uh, if you truly are understanding who you are in your mind, the logical progression is that God would not listen to you. In fact, he would say to the curb with you. But God is a God who is gracious. He's gracious to us. And he, and the psalmist knows that he's gracious. And even in the uh, feeling of weakness of his own um, sins, uh, he cries out to them. In verse 10, it says this, for, for my father and mother have forsaken me but the Lord will take me in. You think about, um, and I don't know what specifically he was thinking about from his father and mother, whether they just weren't around, uh, they weren't there to be depended on. Um, I don't know if you as a child remember a time where you cried out for your mom and dad and they didn't come. Uh, Maybe you wanted them to comfort you and they didn't comfort you. You needed them to instruct you, and they didn't instruct you. You needed their provision, and there was none. Maybe you can understand where your parents have let you down. And a parent's job is to pull in. It's to pull in and take care of and to set up and to protect and to be kind and to provide for. And when they don't do that, which no parents do, uh, uh, completely, there's supposed to be a picture of that. And he puts side by side by parents who fail, a God who will not fail, but the Lord who will take me in. He'll, he will grab me and pull me in. Verse 11, it says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in the level path because of my enemies. The picture here is this, teach me, don't leave me. Teach me so that I can navigate the minefield of my enemies. Uh, How can you fail in this world today? Let me count the ways. Let me count the ways. And the, the picture of this is that apart from God teaching us, instructing us, leading us, guiding us, you know, we'll step on those landmines and blow up our lives and the lives of the people around us. And lastly, uh, he says, uh, you look, lastly in this section, verse 13, he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The picture there is that uh, he looks to a brighter day. Um, This is... uh, David's sign that he put in his front front lawn, right? Everything's going to be okay. Uh, he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He says, I, I do think there's going to be a brighter day, not just in heaven, but in the land of the living right now. I, when I say right now, like here in this life, I, I do think that there will be greater days. I believe in that. And I believe in that too, um, as we look to the future um, I don't know that it's going to be in our economy. I don't even know if it's going to be in uh, our government and what we have enjoyed in this lifetime. But I know that as we look to the future and as we look to him, that we will see the goodness of the Lord uh, in this life uh, as we look to him. Lastly, uh, coming to verse 14 uh, really the conclusion, and I, I love how the Psalms do this. I mentioned this earlier, maybe a, a summary at the beginning and then a concluding thought at the end. 
a big ending, if you will. He says, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. Um, when you wait for something, uh, first of all, um, waiting's no fun. Most of us don't like to wait. Uh, we, we like to have it right now. Um, you know, a- Amazon's trying to figure out how to deliver with drones so that we can get it same day. Uh, I don't think to Atchby's on the first 10 cities that this is going to happen or anything. But this idea that we can get it immediately, we love it. We, we love it. We don't like to wait. Uh, but he says, wait for the Lord. Now picture yourself, uh, when I grew up in Santa Barbara, I took the bus to, to school. I actually took the city bus where you paid 50 cents or whatever. And I was on the, uh, the bus with the, you know, in middle school, I was on the bus with the kids that went to the Catholic school down the street. I was with people who were going to work and people were going shopping. So we hop on this bus and there was a bench uh, by my house, kind of by my house that I walked to. And I sat on the bench and I waited for the bus. When the bus would come, I would hop on the bus and, you know, head on home or to school or whatever. And, and there's that picture of waiting for the bus. You know, you're waiting and uh, you, you uh, are, are sitting there waiting and maybe it doesn't come. You look at your time, it's, it's late. The bus is late and you're, you're waiting. And then maybe it's 15 minutes and maybe it's 20 minutes and you say you're still waiting. And what if the bus never comes? It would be a good day, by the way, unless I was at school and then I had to stay there. But the idea of not going to school uh, sounds sort of fun, at least initially. I know you quarantine kids uh, thinking a little differently. But anyways, um, the idea of waiting uh, for something to show up, the reason you wait is because you're confident that it's going to show up. And it's, you're confident that that's what you need. But in the illustration of the bus, what, what happens if uh, another car comes and they say, hey, I'll take you to school or I'll take you to home? What would you do? Well, I'd hop on the bus or, or I, I wouldn't wait for the bus. I'd hop in the car, right? I'd say, hey, this is much better. And what if there was some other thing? Maybe someone, one of your friends came by and said, hey, uh, you know, my mom will do this. We're going to go here and do this. Maybe a different bus would come and say, hey, I can kind of get you there. There, there might be a different option. Maybe you say, oh, I'll just walk or, or whatever. There's, there's all these different ideas that you can have other than waiting for the bus. This morning, I, I want you to get the picture of waiting and thinking of the richest, kindest person you know. I realize that's a, a poor example of who the Lord is, but, but the idea of, of wealth and resources and wisdom way beyond you and a love for you and a love for you. And he says, I will show up. I will show up and I will bless you. I will give you everything that you need. Just wait for me. I want to tell you, Uh, our confidence is in the blessing of the one that is to show up. We are waiting for the one who will bless us. Wait for the Lord. Um, We wait for the Lord. The, uh, 
the second line there, it says, be strong and let your heart take courage. Courage and strength, strength and courage. These two things are coupled together in the scripture, especially the Old Testament, over and over again. It's a, it's a good coupling. It's the idea of saying, uh, you can be strong and courageous. Your strength in the Lord uh, will cause you to be courageous in the things that you need to do. And, and then he says again, wait for the Lord. The, the waiting, the waiting connected with the strength and courage is for us to wait for the promiser. Can I say it that way? Wait for the promiser. The God who promised that he would be with us, he would take care of us, he would bring us to heaven, that's the one that we are waiting on. And it takes strength and courage to stay the course in the midst of anxious and fearful things. Um, I want to bring up two words right now that I think are important for us to hear. How do you handle crisis? I've seen things popping up in the internet or uh, people are trying to teach others about how to lead during crisis. And um, man, I'd love to know some tricks. You know, how, how do you lead during crisis? What are some of the tricks and tips um, I, I want to tell you that most of the time when we have crisis or anxious thoughts, we handle the situation by two ways. First one, manhandling it, right? If it's not working, hit it with a hammer. If it doesn't work that time, hit it with a bigger hammer, right? Put in more hours, manhandle the situation, bend the future and your life to your will, by strength and perseverance of yourself, you do and you make your life happen. I want to tell you, that's not God's way for you, manhandling the situation. Um, when, when I think of manhandling the situation, there's usually, usually collateral damage to your own life and to the lives of others because you've gotten your way at cost at cost, manhandling the situation. The second word, I didn't make the, I I was really proud of myself when they were both M's, manhandling and then manipulation. Manipulation is more of a passive sort of way uh, where you are trying to, it's kind of like a chessboard, if you will. If, uh, you know, the first word manhandling, you're using a hammer. The second one, you're using a chessboard, and you're saying, well, you know, I'm going to tell this person this, and then I'm going to act like this with this person, and then I'm going to do this. And in the end, my strategy, I will have manipulated my life events and the people in them so that I get what I want. Does that sound like uh, the way God wants us to handle difficult situations? that we would manipulate our life and the lives of others so that we would get our way. I want to tell you the two things he says in this last verse. He says one thing twice, right? Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Our strength and courage is needed to know that God will be enough for us, that we should wait for him to act that we should stay faithfully walking with him, doing what he wants us to do, crying out to him, worshiping him, knowing that uh, when he shows up, everything's gonna be okay. 
His presence will be enough for us. I want to give you three concluding thoughts as we come to the end of our time together. First thing I want to tell you, uh, this passage teaches us that God is dependable. God is dependable. And I just want to tell you that he's the only one that's dependable. It's not that uh, everyone fails all the time, but you, you cannot trust in crisis uh, to people and things that are not dependable. God is the only one that is dependable. Second thing I would point out from this passage is that life is scary. Life is scary. Uh, these things that David was fearing were real. They were real. And uh, a lot of us wanted to look at the coronavirus and say, oh, it's the biggest hoax of all time. Uh, and unfortunately, um, people are dying and it's not a hoax. It's something real. It's something real. To what degree, I, I'm not sure. That's part of the um, things that are just kind of out there. Life is scary, both in events, uh, virus type thing, things that are happening in our world, but mostly people are scary. People are scary. Um, if you really look for them, you will find that you have many enemies. Some are, are people that you really know. Uh, some are, are government officials and people that you might have to deal with. Uh, Life is scary, both in events and even people. So you have God is dependable. Life is scary, both in events and mostly people. And thirdly, I would just say that, and this should be a rally cry of our own heart. He, God, is my answer. He's my method and he's my strategy. How are you going to make it? I'm going to make it by God's grace, by his presence. I'm going to, what are you going to do? I'm going to continue to worship him and obey him. What, what's your strategy? What are your steps ahead? Today, I'm going to trust the Lord. And then tomorrow, I'm going to wake up and trust the Lord again. And the days ahead and the days that he gives me, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to seek to bring my life, for him to work in my life in such a way to grow me that I would be more and more the person he wants me to be. God is my answer. He's my method. He's my strategy. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this great passage of courage. God, I do ask that as we, um, as we live our life today and as we take steps for the future, that we would uh, trust in you and you alone, that we would be worshipers of you, that we would seek to dwell in your house, to worship you, to gaze upon your beauty. God, we need you above all. May you be our one thing or most important thing in every situation. God, thank you for your grace. Uh, God, we are uh, not deserving of your presence. We are not deserving of relationship with you. And apart from you, we have no confidence to go for the days ahead. God, glorify yourself and your church. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.